Recently, the words of Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 have become more and more central in my thinking and my feeling and my following of Christ. Here's what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul is talking here about knowing Christ. Knowing Christ. Not just knowing about Christ, although that is crucial. We can't know Christ unless we know what the scripture teaches about him. So knowing about Christ is crucial, but that is not enough. We can know Christ. We must know Christ, which means we can meet Christ in the truth of the scriptures. We can pour our souls out before Christ in prayer. We can fellowship with Christ and trust Christ and love Christ. We can worship Christ and obey Christ and trust Christ. We can and we must know Christ. And Paul says there's nothing more valuable than knowing Christ. I mean, think about it. He alone can pay for all the guilt of our sins. He alone can change our hearts. He alone can give us eternal life, raise us from the dead. And he alone can completely satisfy every heart, hunger, and thirst in himself. That's Jesus. That's Christ. We can and we must know Christ. Do you know him? Do you know him? So starting tonight and going for four weeks, we are talking about the Christ of Christmas to help us learn more about Christ so we can go deeper in knowing Christ and have more passion to draw others to join with us in knowing Christ. And so tonight we're going to talk about the Christ of Christmas, who Christ was before he was born. Who was Jesus? What was he doing? What was he like before he was born? The passage I want us to focus on is first, not first John, John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. This is from John's gospel, which was written by John, who was a fisherman and then called by Jesus Christ to follow him. He was trained by Jesus. He was one of Jesus' band of disciples, and he was called by Jesus specifically to be an apostle. I want to make sure you understand what that means. As an apostle, he was not just a leader in the early church, but he was specially gifted by God to speak and write truth, perfect truth, from God. So when he writes the Gospel of John, as we're reading these two verses tonight, that's perfect truth from God. That's why John's Gospel is in the Bible. It's the very words of God given to John for us. Now, Pharaoh just read these two verses to us. And there are four crucial truths in these verses 
about Jesus before he was born. Four crucial truths. The first one is this. Jesus was the word. Read first, not first, read John chapter 1, verse 1 again. Verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, when John talks about the word, he's talking about Jesus. Not not the word Jesus, like J-E-S-U-S, not the word Jesus, but Jesus himself. The word is Jesus. Jesus is the word. And we can see that in verse 14, just a little bit farther down the page. Look at what John writes. We'll see this is about Jesus. He says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's like Brother Emmanuel was sharing with us earlier. So the Word is the only Son from the Father. Who's that? It's Jesus. The Word became flesh. That's our Jesus, born 2,000 years ago in the little town of Bethlehem. The Word is Jesus Christ. Now, with that in mind, let's read verse 1 again and have that meaning there. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus Christ. And the Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. So John calls Jesus the Word. Now, why? It's because Jesus is God's Word. God's message, God's proclamation, declaration to the world. See, the world is searching for meaning, answers. The world is confused. People don't know who they are. They don't know why they're here. They don't know what this is all about. And they're not finding any solutions. And the good news is that God did not just create the world and create humanity, and then just back off and keep silence. God speaks. God communicates. God talks. So throughout the Old Testament, from creation to when Jesus came, God communicated with humanity through dreams, visions, miracles, and especially clearly through prophets like Isaiah, Moses, Jeremiah. But but the whole Old Testament was pointing toward the day when God himself would come to earth. And that's what happened in the birth of Jesus. When Jesus, God's word, God's final, God's supreme, God's beautiful message, when he became flesh. Now here's why that was important. Before Jesus was born, Remember, God is one God, three persons. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They were not physical. They were not material. They were not flesh and blood. You couldn't see them. So, to show us that God is real, what God is like, the Father, Son, Spirit, all agreed, Jesus is going to go and be born as a man. He will be fully God and fully 
man. So we could see God alive and real in history. Just like Paul says in Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. There he is, God in the flesh. And what message does Jesus show us and tell us? What is the message from God in Jesus? John tells us in verse 14. Read it again. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What Jesus shows us, what Jesus speaks to us, is God's glory. God's glory is the beauty of all of his perfections put together. The beauty of all his perfections. And Jesus is the word, God's message, showing us and declaring to us the glory of God. That might be a new thought for you to think that Jesus' message, the summary of Jesus' message is God's glory. But I want to show you one scripture that backs that up. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. Notice how Paul describes the gospel here. Paul says, Sound doctrine must be in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. So the gospel, Jesus' message, is the glory of God. God is glorious. Jesus showed it. Jesus spoke of it. God's glory. And this is good news for us. Jesus' message, he was the word displaying God's glory and speaking God's glory. That's good news for us because what fills our hearts the most, what gives us the greatest pleasure, what gives us the most intense joy is seeing glory. I mean, think about it. People spend a lot of money and travel far distances to see the glory of these F1 race cars, sleek and beautiful. Or to see spectacular sunsets over oceans. Or to hear beautiful guitarists, a skilled guitarist playing. Or to see just the, the perfect football goal kicked in, right? People spend a lot of money, travel a lot of places to see glory because we are wired. We are made by God. So that's what fills us the most thrills us the most, satisfies us the most, gives us the greatest pleasure, glory. But all those glories I just listed, they're nothing compared to the glory of God. The beauty of God's perfections in Christ. So Jesus is the Word, God's decisive and final message to humanity that As we see and hear in Christ, God is glorious. I mean, think of what we see in Christ. I just made a list here. The authority of Jesus. Giving a command and a raging storm 
stops. Authority. Think about the lowliness, the humility of Jesus being born as a baby, a baby, and laid in a manger. I love thinking about the compassion of Jesus, healing blind eyes and paralyzed legs and leprous skin. The compassion. I mean, when Jesus walked into a town and when he left it, the town just people were healed all over the place. Compassion. How about the power of Jesus freeing oppressed, enslaved people from demons, from jinn, evil spirits? Think of the tenderness of Jesus. Celebrity Jesus. Thousands were thronging around him, but he welcomed individual children onto his lap, and prayed for them, one by one. The tenderness of Jesus, or the fearlessness of Jesus, exposing the hypocrisy of the powerful Pharisees, fearless. The wisdom of Jesus, whose teaching, whose words transformed men and women, filled men and women, freed men and women, the wrath of Jesus, tipping over the tables of the money changers in the temple, the love of Jesus, going to the cross, suffering hours of horrifying pain and anguish on the cross, paying for the sins of all who would trust him, the love of Christ, and then the beautiful victory of Jesus rising from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death conquering Satan. Jesus, the Word of God, the message of God, shows us and speaks to us. God is glorious. Here's God in history. We can see, we can hear. God is glorious. That's his message. That's, that's the summary of Jesus' message. That the God who created the world is so glorious, so beautiful, that he can satisfy all your heart hungers and thirst as you know him and worship him and love him. That's who God is. But we've all sinned. Jesus was very clear. We've all sinned against God and forfeited God's glory. We were separated from God because of our sin. No, no glory of God. No heart-filling glory. Just punishment forever. But in great mercy, Jesus came, died on the cross, paying for the sins of all who will trust him so that when we put our trust in him, we are forgiven God pours his glorious presence into our hearts. For the first time, we see and feel his beautiful glory. We're filled, we're strengthened increasingly now and forever. God is glorious. Jesus shows that. Jesus speaks that. That's the first truth that I want to have you see from John chapter 1, verse 1. Jesus is the Word. The Word showing us the glory of God and speaking to us of the glory of God. Second truth, in John chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus, the Word, was there in the beginning. Look again at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning. So, when was that? 
It's interesting, those exact same three words, Greek, John 1, are the first three words of the Old Testament, first book of the first, first verse of the first chapter of the first book of the Old Testament, Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Same words. So the beginning is the time when everything was created. That's the beginning. So when John says, in the beginning was the word, he's saying that Jesus was there before anything was created. Before anything was created, which would mean that Jesus was not created. Which would mean that Jesus, he's not created, has no beginning. He's always been from eternity past. And John says that even more clearly right there in verse 3. Look down at verse 3. John says, All things were made through him, through Jesus, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now think about that last line. Without him was not anything made that was made. Everything that was made, every single made thing was made through Jesus. Which means Jesus was not a made thing. Do you catch that? Everything that was made was made through who? Oh, so he wasn't made? Yes, exactly. He was not made. He has always been from eternity past with no beginning. Don't think Jesus came into being when he was born in Bethlehem. Oh, no. Don't think he was created back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Oh, no. He was never created. He's always been with no beginning. Now, you might think, wait a minute. Everything has a beginning. Everything has a beginning. Well, it's true that everything has a beginning, except for God. God doesn't have a beginning. If God had a beginning, then whoever made God would be God. So he wouldn't be God anymore, okay? Everything has a beginning except for God. God has always been. Think back into eternity past. Go back as far, as far, as far, as far as you want. God's there and has been there forever. That's God. And that's Jesus. That's Jesus, fully God, Jesus. So just let this enlarge your understanding of who Jesus is. Jesus has always been from eternity past with no beginning. This is your Jesus, your Savior, your Lord, your friend. He has always been from eternity past. That's the second truth. In the beginning was the Word. Third truth. Jesus has always been with God. Verse 1, again. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. So before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he had always been with God. Now remember, the Bible teaches that God is one God in three persons. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God 
in three persons. And we see here in John chapter 1, verse 1, that from eternity past, just go all the way back, eternity past, Jesus the Word was with God the Father. Now, God the Spirit was there also, but John's not talking about the Holy Spirit here. He's focusing on the Father and Jesus the Son. So what were the Father and the Son doing in eternity past? We don't need to speculate because Jesus tells us in John chapter 17, verses 5 and 24, he's praying, beautiful prayer, study John 17, but in verses 5 and 24, Jesus tells us what was happening between Jesus and the Father and the Spirit, too, although he's not mentioned here, verses 5 and 24. Start with verse 5. Jesus is praying, and he says, and now, Father, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. So before the world existed, in eternity past, Jesus shared in the perfect glory of the Father. That's what was happening. He shared in the perfect glory of the Father. Just like Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that Jesus is the radiance of of the Father's glory. Jesus shared in the perfect glory of the Father. The Father's perfect love and power and authority and goodness was perfectly glorious, beautifully glorious. And Jesus' perfect love and power and wisdom and goodness was beautifully glorious. Jesus shared perfect glory with God the Father. Now, What's Jesus saying here then when he says to the Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you? When Jesus became a man, his glory was veiled. It was veiled. He he never stopped being God, glorious God, but his glory was veiled. It did break out, remember, in the transfiguration? But for the most part, his glory was veiled after he was born. But here he's asking the Father to display his glory the Father's glory through him, display perfect glory through the cross and through the resurrection. That's what he's asking the Father to do here. But understand, before the world existed, before anything came into being, there's God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Jesus shared perfect glory with the Father. Now look at verse 24. Again, Jesus is praying. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. He's talking about us, saved people, the elect. Here we are. Father, I desire that they also, all those who've trusted me, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am in heaven to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Before the world existed, God the Father loved Jesus the Son. God the Father saw the the perfect and the beautiful glory of Jesus, God the Son, and God loved, delighted in, rejoiced in, celebrated the beautiful glory of his Son. Father loved the Son. I think it makes sense that the Son loved the Father. 
He saw the Father's beautiful glory, spectacular, radiant, perfect glory. And the Son loved the Father and delighted in the Father and celebrated the Father's glory. So the Father and the Son loved and rejoiced and delighted in each other. That's what's happening here. Again, the Holy Spirit was not mentioned here, although we know that he was completely involved as well. Now remember, God is one God in three persons. So what we're saying, what we're seeing here is that in eternity past, the Trinity was full of love and joy and delight and celebration of glory, their glory. That's what was happening here. Think about this. Because God is a Trinity, this is huge. I love this. Because God is a Trinity, that means that the center of the universe, the focal point of everything in the universe, which is God, God's full of joy, delight, love, celebration of the Father, the Son, the Spirit's glory, beauty. That's good news. That that's, the, that's the center. That's the focal point. That's, that's everything at the center. The reality, what's ruling, the God is ruling everything is full of joy, love, and celebration. You can see this by looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. Again, I want to point out another truth from this verse. You may be wondering, are you talking about God full of joy and love? Is that really what the Bible teaches? Yes, it, it is. 1 Timothy 1.11, sound doctrine must be in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Notice, it's the gospel of the glory of the blessed God. There are two different Greek words for blessed. One is eulogetos, means that God is praised by others. So God is blessed in that way. He is praised and blessed and, and glorified by others. Yes, but that's not the word that's used here. Here the word is makarios. And makarios means joyful and happy. That's what this means. So sound doctrine must be in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the joyful, happy, celebrating God, celebrating his glory, his perfections with which Paul has been entrusted. Jonathan Edwards was a pastor back in the 1700s in the U.S. Here's how he put it. He says, It is evident by both Scripture and reason that God is infinitely, eternally, unchangeably, and independently glorious and happy. So before Jesus was born, for eternity past, what was he doing? He was overflowing with joy and pleasure and delight in the glory he shared with the Father and the Spirit. That's what was happening from eternity past with no beginning. That's the third truth. Fourth truth, so important. Jesus has always been God. Look again, John chapter 1, verse 1. It's hard to be more clear than this. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was 
God. Now, many people deny that Jesus is fully God. Many, many people say he's just a man. But that verse is very clear. And let me give you another scripture to back this up. Some people will say Jesus never claimed to be God, but look at Mark 14, 61 through 64. Jesus is being, he's been betrayed, he's been arrested, he's being questioned by the Jewish leadership. So verse 61, again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? He's not asking if Jesus is a son of God. He's here asking if Jesus is the son of God, the only son of God, which means fully God himself. And look at what Jesus says. Question, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. I am. And you will see the Son of Man. That's how Jesus refers to himself often. You will see the Son of Man, me, seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the priest, high priest, tore his garments and said, what further witnesses do we need? You've heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. They knew what he had said, and they were going to kill him for saying it. Jesus says, I am the Son of God, which means he is fully God. There's many scriptures like this. Let me just give you one more. Jot this one down. John chapter 5, verse 18. Read what John says. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus made himself equal with God by calling God his own father. I am the son of God. Jesus made himself equal with God. Now, let's just back off here for a second. I want to explain. This does not mean that there are three gods. Let's be very clear about that. There's one God in three persons. And it doesn't mean that each person is one-third of God, like God the Father is one-third of God, and God the Son is another third of God, and God the Spirit is another third of God. That's not what this means. God the Father in himself is fully God. And Jesus in himself is fully God. And the Holy Spirit in himself is fully God. One God, three persons. Jesus made himself equal to God because Jesus and the Father and the Spirit are all equally God, deity, divine, the nature of God, equally in each of them. So understand from eternity past, with no beginning, Jesus was fully God, equal to God the Father in every way. So what does this mean for us? We've been asking the question, what was happening with Jesus? Who was Jesus before he was born? What was he like? What was he doing? And we've seen Jesus was the word. God's message. 
Jesus was from the beginning, before anything was made. Eternity past, he was there. And from eternity past, he was with God the Father. And from eternity past, he was equal to God the Father. He was fully God. So what does this mean for us? First of all, some of you here tonight, I'm sure, are not yet followers of Jesus. And we are glad you're here. Thank you for coming and being with us. And Jesus taught that the reason we don't follow Jesus, when when we're not following Jesus, is because our unbelief and our sin and our pride blinds us to Jesus. So we can read John chapter 1 verse 1 and just yawn and we don't see anything glorious there because our unbelief and our sin and our pride blind us to that. We've all been there. We've all been there. But I'm praying that tonight God will use John chapter 1, verse 1, the power of that verse, to set us free. If you're not yet trusting Christ, if you're not yet following Christ, to set you free from from that spiritual blindness. It's like cutting cataracts away from your eyes and you can see. I'm praying that God is already using these truths to open your eyes so that you can see Jesus in his glory so that you will turn because you want him more than anything and you will trust him and be forgiven for all your sins through him and that he will pour his presence out upon you by the Holy Spirit and you will feel the joy you've been longing for all your life which is only found in beholding his glory and knowing him and loving him and worshiping him. That's what I'm praying God will be doing in your heart right now if you're not yet following Jesus. Others of us are following Jesus. But what happens so often? We can let distractions and busyness and difficulties and disappointments, we can let temptations and sin cloud our spiritual vision. So we're just not seeing Jesus' glory like we were a week ago or a year ago. Is that happening to you? We all battle this to some extent every day. And I'm asking God to use his word, the power of the scriptures, to use his word. In my heart and in all of our hearts, to open our eyes even more, to see. To see the glory of Jesus Christ. To love Jesus Christ. To worship Christ. To want to know Christ to want to trust Christ, to want to help people come to know Christ, that God will open our eyes so we see his glory all the more. Only he can do that. Only he can set us free. He'll do it again and again and again as we call upon him. I'm asking God to use his word to do that in our hearts. So let me close with just one more picture. I want to have this picture in your mind. Think about how the Jesus we've been talking about was born as a baby. Imagine holding Jesus in your arms. Jesus was born as a baby. Here's what this means. The word, God's message to the world, the word was there, born as a baby. Think about that. The word of God right there, showing us and teaching us who God is. The word, 
the Son of God, who has always been from eternity past, with no beginning, God, the Son of God, born as a baby. Think about that. Feel that. And then the Word, who was with God, from eternity past, Father and Son, delighting in, rejoicing in, celebrating, yes, with the Spirit too, in their perfections, their glory. From eternity past, that's what the Son was doing, and here He is. He's been born as a baby to save us, to help us, to show us. And then the Word who was God from eternity past, equal to God in every way, equally sovereign with God the Father, equally powerful with God the Father, equally authoritative with God the Father, loving, merciful, gracious with God the Father. Here he is, born a baby, born as a man, born to save us. Here he is. Mm. And the reason he came to be born, so he could show us God in himself, so he could speak to us of God's glory, and so he could go to the cross to pay for our sins so we could be forgiven, restored to God, and behold the glory, know the glory, worship the glory, be filled with the glory, the glory of God in Christ that we were made for. That's why Jesus came. That's why this baby came. Let's stand. I want to pray for us. Father, use your word by the power of the Spirit to open eyes right now as only you can do shine the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ into dark hearts, to cut those cataracts of temptation or distraction or busyness or trials, whatever it might be, to cut those away so we can see. Right now, say, let there be light and let the light of Christ's glory fill hearts right now. Hearts that have never felt the glory of Christ or hearts that have been of truth. Say, let there be light now.